Welcome to the New Zealand General Practice Podcast. This is an opportunity to share stories about the valuable work done by family doctors in their communities and to explore what sustains them and their teams. Today I'm talking to Dr. Sam Merton, GP in Capital Care Health Centre, Tiaro Wellington. She is an educator and an artist, and her YouTube channel, Visual GP, is a place where she combines both those passions by creating visually beautiful explanations of medical concepts for patients. She was also elected president of the Royal New Zealand College of GPs in 2018 and has led the profession into its response to COVID-19. Welcome, Sam. Thank you so much for, for doing this. I was listening back. We um, met on in October and you contributed to the 11th uh, episode of season one of the podcast. We actually said, oh, we must have a longer conversation at some stage in the future. So the, um, this is a fantastic opportunity. Thank you so much for taking some time out of what's an incredibly busy schedule to do this. Yes, pleasure. Yeah. So tell us about Sam Merton. Tell us about yourself and about the practice that you work in. Okay, so, um, yeah, I'm interesting. I, I got into medicine um, because a friend of mine did and was going to, and he never made it. And um, after I'd gone through med school, my mum said to me that um, she got into medicine and didn't go because she had a single brother and um, he needed to have a degree and her parents couldn't afford for both of them to have a degree. Right. So, Having got through, I sort of like I had um, quite. I was quite proud of myself actually that I'd done that and achieved it. And even though she'd never told me, I felt it was like a feather in my mum's um, cap, you know, so that she could um, fulfil that dream without putting that pressure on me to fulfil that dream. And so um, it's been quite amazing, really. Um, and so um, I sort of fell into general practice. Um, I'm gonna just clear my throat. Sorry. Yeah, you go for it. Because um, <clears throat> I was doing surgery for a long time, and um, a group of friends of mine set up this practice um, through uh, the church that I'm involved with, and they um, got it going. And then there was sort of a lull in um, staffing, and so I sort of went, "Oh well, I'll just take over." And at the time, I was having my third child, mm-hmm. and so I took over. And then um, she, I had her. Um, when I was doing surgical call and um, on a weekend. And so um, I sort of stopped surgical call after that. And then um, she sat under my desk for the first three months of her life. And I had two other kids at home and my nanny at the time said she couldn't look after all three. So, um, Gosh, it sounds a bit like that Monty Python thing where the, the, the peasant gives birth in the field and just carries on picking the potatoes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I think... Um, for some, some, in some ways, you know, like part of my journey has been being a woman in medicine who, I mean, I haven't done the super hard yards. I didn't take, get told that I had to um, wear a skirt or um, get dismissed completely, but it's actually done the hard yakka in that I've grown a family and um, worked through that and um, not been, there was times that there was no money coming in because all the, everything I earned went out into childcare. And um, the juggle does everyone's mum's, every mum's head in. Um, You're completely focused on your practice family. And then you have to take your head out of that space and go and completely focus on your personal family. And um, it's manageable when at least one of them's steady. But when 
two of them are unsteady, it's actually very difficult. So, um, so then I've carried on and um, moving into general practice, I sort of got sort of gazumped into doing the job that I do now as president in some ways. And part of that journey was that I um, got asked if I'd teach. Do you want to teach? Could you teach? Yeah, yeah. So I, said, oh, yeah I'll t I can teach. And so that was fine. And then I went on teaching. I said, oh, do you want to do, you wanna do the um, run the training program? You can run the training program. That'll be fine. And then um, it was like, oh, the person who's stepping down from the training program nationally is um, going. And um, I sort of at the time thought this is going to fall to pieces if yeah. someone doesn't step in. So I stepped into that job. And then um, before the presidency came up, I was sort of doing some other jobs and working at the university and um, someone said to me, we need a woman to stand. And I was like, oh, really? And I really counted that cost. I sort of went to everyone I knew and said, I've been asked to do this. And mm. I went to my family, I talked to my practice, I talked to the university and I said, and I didn't put my hand up until I talked to everybody about the fact that if I did this, it was going to make a big difference to every aspect of my work that I already did. And so um, everyone said, yeah, you'd be great. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so um, put my hand up and um, surprisingly got the, the role. And I think um, at, right at the time of what, the counting the votes, I was felt very... Um, ambivalent about whether I got it or not because I had plenty of other things to do and then um, when I got it I was like yes Good. Good. <laughs> um, but um, and it's been really interesting I think it's been a really interesting time in our college and an interesting time in the journey but coming into COVID um, I felt that and we all had said before this arrived like at the end of last year and I must look it up, the board sat around and said, what do you feel and what do you want for next year? You know, what, you know, what is your um, verbalising what your thoughts were and what you wanted for next year? And it was actually really interesting just writing all that down. And I think all of us felt like we were on a fairly solid platform and the foundation had been sort of set for um, us to be able to do and achieve things that we needed to do. And um, so we had great plans. <laughs> we had great plans for Wonka and um, all sorts of things and having a, um, a fun AGM in the middle of the year. And, you know, there was all sorts of um, ideas that we had that everyone has had their ideas gazumped. And I think, but the thing was, we still felt we had a really good foundation and a platform. So yeah. been really interesting um, doing that. I must admit my, I had actually planned a month off to do some research and <clears throat> that month became COVID. Yes. The team that I've worked with in the college, the ministry have been amazingly engaging and um, positive. And I think um, all the connections that we have made and the collaboration that's gone on across the sector has been phenomenal. So that's been really pleasing. Yeah. You've uh, you brought that connection uh, to the work that you do as the president of the college across not just the sector, but uh, within the college itself. It's been one of the features of your, your presidency so far that, that, and I'm sure it will continue, the openness and transparency and willingness to, to connect with people, which is just fantastic. And particularly at this time, as you say, it provides a huge, a, a fantastic foundation for, for moving forward and for, for real true leadership, which, which 
the college has shown significantly this time. Yeah. Obviously, COVID's having, you know, putting lots and lots of things under under pressure. You've talked a little bit about having to give up the monthly research. What other aspects, what other pressures does it put you and the team you work with under? Um, I think it's... Um, <clears throat> You've obviously got a bit of a cough. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. COVID cough, no. COVID cough. Any morning cough. Yeah. Um, what has it done? I think oh, at work, because like that, like that thing is, you know, like things are unraveling in different areas and making sure that there's enough areas in your life that are steady. So pressure-wise, um, both my other half also works in health, but not in, actually not, isn't medical, but he works in health and he's been, doing 12-hour days as well. So, um, hallelujah, when my kids were little, I said, you need to learn to cook. And so now, they're all great chefs. And the two that I have at home um, for lockdown um, have been the chefs supplying, supporting us doing what we're doing. And in fact, my I said to my daughter, you know, at the end of this, everyone will ask, what did you do during the pandemic? And she can say, I fed two really key people <laughs> and made sure that they stayed sane and so I mean as far as the um, journey what's going on at home totally solid and that's due to the fact that my kids have been amazing um, and all the way through my other half and I have very much had a very even sort of support of each other in our roles and what we do if his goes higher than I do what needs to be done if mine steps up he does what he needs to be done so we've had this very even um, relationship in our work life so it's been um that's been really solid. I think the practice has been interesting. I mean, there was a bit of pressure because I was sort of slightly absent with president job anyway, but then with the COVID stuff and we've had to flip and change things so dramatically, um, part of that has been that there are people who can manage that and do that, all right, but then there are others who sort of like, I have, who have lots of opinions on what should happen. And I think that becomes, you know, you can devolve leadership, but when it becomes too... Um, I suppose what the term is like disseminated in some way so that there's lots of chiefs, then it becomes a little bit difficult. So at the moment, we're just um, working through that journey a little bit um, and just trying to make sure that we all sort of singing from the same song sheet and that yes. we're all heading the same direction. But also, um, ultimately, as I'm not the owner, but I'm on the trust and the probably the, the designated person from the trust to make sure that things work. And the board's responsible for health and safety. So um, we have to, you know, and me as the designated person has to ensure that health and safety is paramount. And so yeah. I will be saying things that may not be palatable to people, <laughs> but that's just what you have to do. Yeah. I think the other thing is that for, across the sector, I feel the pain and the difficulty and the struggle that every GP is in because I do that myself. Um, I watch my bank balance go down. I, um, similarly with lots of other practices, we work out who can have a pay holiday <laughs> um, and afford a pay holiday and who cannot. And so therefore um, my, my, our main um, driver at the practices that everyone will keep their hours and keep their roles and keep their jobs and we're trying to work out how we can do that while keeping them safe and therefore maybe not having as many people in the building at the same time and so it's those sorts of things as well and then um, but then um, feeling that pain from the members um, you know there's things that we just have to do and they really suck 
<laughs> and and you just sometimes you just have to go well look yeah this really sucks and you have to be really honest about the thing it's, it's absolutely crappy we did not expect COVID to be here we didn't expect to be having our patients distant from us we didn't expect to have a sort of sudden turnaround in what we do um, I must admit the day that I walked to the college to talk with the leaders forum to say we need to stop patients coming into our buildings. Yes. I was like, oh my goodness, this is good. This is absolutely huge. And I know that I'm going to make everyone's lives slightly hellish for quite some time. And if I didn't strongly say that, then it was going to make a huge difference to lives. And so it was, yeah, you're between a rock and a hard place and you just have to do the right thing. And that's part of it is actually doing the right thing, which is about um, the fact that as GPs, we want to make sure our patients are as healthy as they can be. And sometimes, and a lot of the time, we um, do more than we're paid to do. Um, we change what we do for the benefit of patients and that is the right thing to do. It might be extraordinarily hard and extraordinarily difficult, and we hope that there will be payback. And we stepped up as, a, as an industry hoping there would be payback. And I think that's what it is. It's the fact that we'll try and do what we, the best thing that we can do and rely on the hope that people will recognise that and will agree that that needs to be funded, supported, or whatever needs to be happened, and that everyone feels that they've got a pat on the back for saving lives. That's what we've done. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the leadership that you've shown, and, and with Brian and others in the college yeah, as yeah. well, has been absolutely phenomenal and has saved lives, clearly yeah. has saved lives, yeah. and really unpalatable, as you, you said before. But it's so so important to to make those decisions and to, to stand by them, and in a, particularly in a crisis like this, to have people who will say, this is the right thing to do and we all need to do this, yeah. uh, is... Uh, is is absolutely vital you've been fantastic and i think it's the foundation of connection and aroha uh, that you've shown to the profession previously uh, since you since you came to the to the role as president i think which has allowed that change to happen so rapidly as well yeah. you know there's um uh, you know you can be a you've been saying the right thing but not be the right person yeah. uh, you're the right person saying the right thing <laughs> and it's been it's been phenomenal sam absolutely phenomenal I'm just completely proud of our industry and all of our GPs of the fact that um, I think I said it recently that you're incredibly nimble and work very swiftly but are amazingly strong and um, it's just a matter of um, making sure that the strength doesn't drain away. Yeah. And that's you're, what we need to be doing. You, you're absolutely right that it's incredibly tough uh, as yeah. well. I mean, I think yeah. we're, we're, you know, that it's, fantastic that the system has stepped up to support us and to recognize what general practice has done and what we need our place in the system mm. and we you know we are getting getting support which is fantastic um but just on on terms of that sort of personal mental and physical well-being as you're sort of facing this what how do you look after yourself what do you do and, and what about the team around you? you you have you given much thought to that and given advice there I had a, I, someone rocked up the other day and bought me a, a bottle of rosé. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
um, I said, I think I put something on Facebook saying that we're having beer and chips because it was the last time we were allowed to have beer and chips on the this Friday before we shut everything down. <laughs> and um, so um, someone turned up with a bottle of rosé and left it and said, you don't know me, but this is for your party tonight. I've had lots of um, little things, the little things that count. You know, mm. someone sent me this fabulous book and it's just a real pleasure to read and it was a colleague. And so that was his cohort to me. And I've had others who have written um, just an email to say, thanks, great, it's really good. Mm. Um, and I... I have a colleague who said, who's actually, she comes and works here intermittently, but she's actually really great. And she says, anything you need, just tell me. And I said, well, actually, sometimes if things are shitty, you might be the person that I say things are shitty to. And she says, absolutely. So I said, okay, let's go. <laughs> so I <laughs> sat down and had a moment with her. And um, I think, you know, sometimes it's people who we all need the uninvolved objective supporter who that's what we are to a lot of our patients we are the uninvolved objective supporter for our patients and sometimes we all need that ourselves yes um <clears throat> that may not be our gp because actually as my as my personal gp i'm in my role i'm messing with them too so um um having someone who you know has totally got your back and it doesn't matter what you say and how you're feeling you can say that this is how i'm feeling and yeah. they will just go yep okay and she said to me so how much walking are you doing are you doing your walking and i was going like oh well no because i'm and she goes no you can stop that yes <laughs> yes you're walking and so i was just yeah so she's sort of like banged on to me about that so i have been um, taking photos for her of the things that I'm seeing on the way as I walk to work <laughs> so that I've got proof that I am. So that's sort of slightly accountable. The other thing is I think that being fed, the being fed thing, just awesome. I don't have to think about food. <laughs> um, I think sometimes you just have to let, be able to let the shit <laughs> go, go over your head. You know, like sometimes, like people will, say, you're doing it badly, you're doing it wrong, this is upsetting me. And I mean, it's all from a different place where they're, where they're at at the time. And um, I totally get that people are hurting and um, that there is, we all need an outlet. And sometimes um, that happens to be the impersonal person as, as far as the, the college being. And so those sorts of things I sort of take and go, I should breathe. I've had this, this decision now that actually if they're speaking about something, I won't take it as, as they're taking because often people say things that are personal about them, but actually I'll say, well, actually, no, this is about, if I take this in the whole of sector um, arena, um, what does that mean? And think about that. I've found that people misinterpret your words and you're just going like, ah, that's not what I meant, but you can't go back and fight it. So there are things that you don't need to fight and you just let them go. Um, but then there are other things that come your way that may be couched in some sort of negative terms. And you sort of go, well, actually, what can we do to make a change to this or make a difference or um, improve on it? So, you know, like I'm one of the things that's on my agenda at the minute is how do we as a profession totally make a difference in equity? You know, how, what is it? What are the doing things? Because that's what we are. We're doing and we are very much the let's get it done in 15 minutes and change what we do. So what are the 
little snippets that we can do that is going to is a game changer for equity that we're not doing now. And um, and I think that's that's the sort of thing that is on my mind and what we can do. So seek, you know, and so there are things that do come your way that you do sort of feel like, oh, that's just negative. But actually you just have to go, well, some of them I'll go, I'll just leave that alone. And others you go, okay, so what are we going to do to make that a positive, you know? So and I'm a cup half full person. It's right. Good. I'm it's there, there is a certain amount of internal um, joy <laughs> that is hard to get down on me. So um, I think, um, yeah, the only time I've ever really felt, and people have said to me, are you okay? And this was quite a while ago, was when I felt like there was things I couldn't change. And I think that's the thing. It's frustration that makes us feel low. And when I feel like, well, actually, let's work our way out of this. And I feel at the minute that there are, let's work our way out of this opportunity. So that's fine. Yeah. 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 Um, what about the team around you? How, how are you sharing that joy with them? How are you bolstering them? Oh, so we, um, yeah. So beersy. I, I'm not a beer drinker, but um, but um, <laughs> we ha- we're not, no longer allowed to have hot, hot chips on Fridays, which is bad, beer and fries. Um, so we had um, food as our go-to. So yes. I'm feeding the team and that's really good. Um, we've got... Actually, um, I mean, my practice team is probably my more nuggety team. That's that's where I work. So um, they, um, we've got a. I've asked one of them to set up a WhatsApp group. So that's good. Um, yes. I know with um, <laughs> on the um, Facebook group, it's like, what's your favourite meme? And so the, all the memes around are just hilarious. I mean, mm-hmm. typical medical people. Black humour is just our gig. Yes. <laughs> and so. <laughs> Yeah, so those have been quite fabulous. And then the other thing is at home, I actually sit down with my daughter and we've been doing movie nights. So, um, you know, let's sit down and do a movie and talk. And so, and she's um, she's a writer. So being a writer is actually hard yakka. And so getting her, keeping her jollied along, doing the writing and being a sounding board for her and things at times. So I have to sort of like actually make, very corralled moments that we sit and talk and um, so she can, because the, at the moment, that whole personal interaction people thing is just not happening. And so you can talk to someone on the phone and you can talk to someone on Zoom or whatever, but actually that face-to-face and personal chatter with your mate is actually really difficult. Yeah. So that, that leads really neatly on to, to that sort of, uh, any resources or you know shared things like the the any particular movies you've watched that you'd recommend for people or that during this time you know ha- any anything I can share in the show notes for the for, for <laughs> to- yeah so um one of the GPs in Christchurch has set up this um, Spotify app or um, playlist called the Coronavirus Hunters Club which is that's us we're hunting coronavirus yeah. And- it is all music that is related to um, things that you could sort of um, pinpoint to COVID-19. So it's it's quite fun. They're really catchy tunes, but it's also quite fun because when you sort of hear what they're singing about, you just think it's just a laugh. Right. Um, okay. So the Coronavirus um, Hunters Club, we'll, we'll yeah. make a link to that. Yep. Um, I think movies-wise, um, I'm sort of, <laughs> I've said to my daughter, I can't do angst. So I'm not doing <laughs> anything that's angsty. So what we've been doing is like thinking up a theme. So like um, 
you know, if you find a, a, a actress or actor that you like, just doing a whole season of that person. And um, some of them you just go, nah, won't be watching this. But, you know, like it's actually quite fun to sort of follow a, a person's career. Um, yes. And then also if it's a director, like following a director. Or um, the other thing is like doing the whole sort of like the series. Like you go like, righto, let's do Indiana Jones every night in a row. And sort of like, yeah. So um, there are things like that which we've been doing. And um, as a family, we've probably had a few that are our favourites. So we just sit down and do those. How how old are your kids that are watching Indiana Jones with you? (laughs) Well, um, (laughs) my kids have always been kids. And so because we've always been kids. So they're 21 and 25 at the moment. Yeah. we can we can do any movie actually. We used to go like as a whole family, we'd go and see any cartoon, even when the kids were in their twenties. And so if something was coming out that was going to be Pixar or whatever, yeah. we were all in, in there. And um, so yeah, we just we, watched we, on onward um, the latest. Oh yeah 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 yeah. 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 The, uh, yeah my I, son's very keen for us to buy that, so we're going to have to have a paid for movie night and yeah. um, get that on um, whatever on um, Sky or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the two I've got are, are similar ages to you, and we were sort of sitting watching this cartoon thing, that, yeah. which actually had lots of resonances. They said because uh, the dad, dad, dad dancing was just like me dancing, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like um, things like you know, like Sing, and you know, it's really all these um, cartoon movies are actually really interesting, and in, in the adult themes are fun. And then the other thing is, I think because we're not. I mean, we're slightly musical in our family, but we're sort of like extraordinary creative in lots of different ways. Sometimes there's a movie that you just go, what were they on at the time? Because they're just completely random. So the kids were watching Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs the other day. Yes, yes. Totally insane. And you, don't, yes. you know that the directors were just going, oh, let's do this. And it was absolutely random, but, you know, somehow it cohesively got together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So we've made some some notes there. We'll link link to those uh, distractions and entertainments. Yeah. Uh, totally no, no, yeah. no, no, no angst in there. That's really good. Yeah, no angst because I think the other thing is, I remember years ago, um, my um uncle passed away really suddenly, and um, it was extraordinarily traumatic at the time, and so I had to fly with my mum to England. I had to um, sort it all out. It was totally out of the blue and just wrong (laughs) and Mm. um it wasn't sort of it was sort of a medical misadventure thing and so um i had to go into bat and had to go back to the coroner's court to bang on about the fact that this was not just normal you know Mm. it wasn't a random thing from him it was actually because of medication that he'd been put on and so I found that was extraordinarily stressful. And at the time, I said to, I just corralled things that I was doing. So I stopped teaching my kids to drive. I stopped doing other things because there was things that were going to be emotionally stressful for me that were, you know, low-key emotionally stressful, but I actually didn't need any extra emotional stress. And I think we need to recognise that sometimes that actually when things are wound up, like they are at the moment, you know, there's a whole lot of practices who are under financial pressure, there's a whole lot of thinking about, you know, how we're going to go forward. You know, what am I doing to change how I integrate with my patients at home? You know, there's kids at home, it's stressful, all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. Partners may be losing jobs. All of that 
is so extraordinary that we think you, you do need to corral back to the minimum keep yourself sane stuff. And that is actually making sure that all the basics are really good, that you're getting exercise, that you are patting the dog or stroking the cat or um, sitting outside for five minutes and having some peace and quiet, um, having some space somewhere, just having some reasonable conversations with you, making time for your most nearest and dearest, you know, doing all the really simple and basic things. So, and, and not putting any extra angst on yourself by requiring yourself to do other things that you may not need to be doing at this time. It's only for a season. It's going to be short, but we just need to keep ourselves sane. That's incredibly wise. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing that, Sam. I think that's, that's absolutely right. We need to, uh, we need to slow down. We need to slow mm. down. Yeah. Yeah. To finish, do you have a, a, a final pearl of wisdom or a inspirational quote, something that you do that, that um, you'd recommend to others? My favourite phase at the moment is probably Kaha, which is be strong. I mean, I think we can be strong in many ways and it doesn't mean that you need to be bold and big and all those other things. You just need to be solid, you know, and I think we need to be solid for our practices, we need to be solid for our families and um, we need to be solid for ourselves. And I think um, just making sure that we've got our feet on the ground, that we're doing the things that are required of us, but actually not the extra if we don't need to. And um, realizing that this is actually extraordinary times and however we come out of it, we can't help if we're not well ourselves. And so we need to yeah. make sure that we are as well as we can be so that we can be as good as we can be for everyone else that we deal with. And we deal with a lot of people. That's who we are. We are community doctors and that community is not just the people that we work with, the people we look after, it's our families and it's our region that we are, we've got our footprint on. So I think we need to remember that we, do we are big people in some ways in the reach that we have and therefore people look to us to be strong but our strength needs to be very centered you know very much about being strong personally so that we can be strong for everyone else oh, kia kaha uh, sam merton thank you so much and and thank you so much for what for, for the leadership and for, for what you're doing for the sector. Thank you no, so much for what you're doing for the population. Yeah. You know, it's um, uh, uh, cometh the hour, cometh the person. <laughs> um, Such a time as this, yeah. Yes, yes, so thank you, Sam. Thank you, and that's been uh, been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Uh, I've, I feel buoyed up uh, listening to you. Uh, life is half full, uh, glass is half full. Uh, yeah. it's, it's great, and I hope other people will feel the same. Cool, yeah, thanks very much, Joe. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I certainly did. Sam is an amazing GP and a real inspiration to all of us. If you're enjoying the New Zealand General Practice Podcast, please rate it where you found it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about general practice in New Zealand, the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners has a website with all the advice you need about vocational training. If you're looking to work in New Zealand, or just want to share what brings you joy in your work, you can contact me via Twitter. I am at a Portuguese GP. Or find me 
Dr. Joe Scott Jones on LinkedIn. Kaki te anō. See you next time.